This episode of After Work Drinks is brought to you by our friends at Ultraviolet. What is that you're drinking, Izzy? This is a spicy mezcal margarita, which is, as you know, my summer beverage of choice. Very nice. I'm sipping on a stone cold glass of rosé, very much wishing we were by the beach in Australia right about now. Me too, but New Zealand, we may not be able to enjoy the perfect down under summer, but you, our angelic listeners are, and alongside our friends at Ultraviolet, we're bringing you six weeks of chocker full of fantastic summer content. So you can have a very ultra summer on our behalf. As you've no doubt heard us mention many, many times by now, Ultraviolet is our favorite sunscreen brand on the planet. They've completely transformed sunscreen by making a formula that looks and feels like skincare. So you can protect your skin every day without clogging your pores or lugging around a big, ugly, greasy tube. After the crazy old year that we have all had, Ultraviolet wants you to kick back and enjoy a well-earned break, spending this summer living your very best, very ultra life. So you might be wondering what it means to be very ultra and basically it's the next step up from extra. It's walking an extra 15 minutes to go to the coffee shop that serves the brand of oat milk you like, guilty as charged, or spending an unreasonable amount of money on a birthday cake that matches the exact shade of your mint green sequin dress. Grace, guilty as charged. It's also taking a whole afternoon to yourself to read a book about an issue you're passionate about or spending a bit more money to buy from brands whose values you align with or, um, in my case, using a whole roll of film in one night just so you can upload the one cute photo you think you got on your vintage camera to Instagram. That's very ultra, even, like buying a film camera for the Insta aesthetic. For the gram. I know I can't upload any other photos now. I've got myself (laughs) stuck in this hole. You're trapped in the aesthetic. (laughs) So basically, being very ultra is about being an AWD girl. It's being full of substance while also being a little bit silly with a little touch or more than a touch of chaos added to the mix. And so because we all know you embody the very ultra lifestyle so perfectly, we'd also love to hear from you. Please send us through a voice note to hello at afterworkdrinks.net with your very best ultra moment. And each week we'll play our favorite in the episode. Plus, if your voice note gets played, you'll get sent a special gift pack from Ultraviolet on us. And just because we love you, you also get an exclusive discount code that works for the entire summer up until February 28th. All you need to do is enter AWD10 at the checkout at ultraviolet.com.au for 10% off your order on anything except for limited edition sets. One use per person and not available with other offers. Thanks again for listening to this episode of After Work Drinks. Hello. (laughs) Sorry about that. Hi. Someone's excited. Someone's excited. Someone's happy to be here. Happy to be alive. It's so funny when you think about how um, I know we like want to not talk about um, she she who should not be named on the podcast, but it's so funny that we're in the most extreme lockdown you could possibly imagine. So like Melbourne, what Melbourne was in Mm -hmm. for that long, what New Zealand was in for like a fucking week until Jacinda sorted it all out. We're back in. Yeah, it's all go. There's like three different strains of COVID roaming the streets. Roaming the streets. So we're just trapped indoors, but we're, you know, we're making the most of it. Yeah. I feel I feel fine. I mean, I miss seeing you face to face, but other than that, yeah, I still look pretty good over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> we are so we're going to jump straight into things because this is a great chat. And we are so happy you guys are loving the Very Ultra Summer so far. Please remember to keep sending in your best Very Ultra moments because you'll win a skincare prize pack from Ultraviolet and you get 10% off your next order at the checkout with the code AWD10. So this week we are talking to Kath Ebbs, the Australian model, vlogger and influencer and business owner who has grown her audience of 60,000 followers and counting thanks to her sex-positive, queer-inclusive social media presence and her wellness-focused website, Call Me Kath. So we specifically really wanted to speak to Kath for our very ultra summer takeover because what she's doing is, to us, the definition of being very ultra. Aside from using her considerable platform to speak candidly about her mental health battles and how her relationship with food and wellness has kind of helped her manage what was really a crippling anxiety she's also best known for her work rallying the australian government to make sex education queer inclusive which is like such a massive 
topic. Yeah, it's huge. And yet is not ever discussed. And I think the reason is that we are in these kind of bubbles where we feel like we're so progressive with our conversations about all of these social issues that it somehow doesn't even feel like something that we need to talk about. But it's also like if you're looking in the right places. Yes, exactly. But for example, if you didn't if you didn't have Instagram or know the right people to follow, you just wouldn't see any of this stuff happening. Exactly. These big communities. Yeah, and then you think about like when we were in high school and the way that we were taught about sex education, it was so stifling and conservative and old fashioned. Even if you're a straight woman, it was completely unhelpful. So to be queer or genderqueer or trans, like the way it's presented is just awful. So the fact that Kath is like a really loud voice in lobbying the government to change their rules around sex education is fucking awesome. I'm very ultra. Very ultra. Yeah, so Kath spoke really openly on that subject about how difficult she found that being a teenager in high school where gender career identities were never acknowledged. And we especially loved her talking about her tips for managing anxiety, which were honestly all of the things that I do. I wanted to keep interrupting and being like, same! (laughs) Um, Why she decided to stop drinking entirely five years ago, how she manages that at parties and social gatherings and... Yeah, tips for those who want to do the same. So, as always, if you loved this week's content, please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. Fling us a like or two. Some love heart eyes. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Oh, hi. We find how are these earphones? I usually I usually have a mic, but I've like I've moved from Byron, so everything is everywhere. And I was like, I'm gonna go get because I have like a like a proper mic, and I couldn't find it. So I was like, hopefully these are okay. (laughs) They'll be fine. That'll do. That's that's better than most of our kids. Good old Zoom. Um, what's the what's the move? So I was living in Byron for like four and a bit months because my partner was on one of the shows there. So I, yeah, was living there. And then I moved back to my apartment, which was a bit of a situation because the people who sublet it trashed it, ah, which wasn't fun. Yeah, but it's fine. But yeah, I was in, I was in Byron for like. That's a nice months. place to be like. Yeah. It- I guess. I guess it wasn't that COVID-y in Australia, but it's like a nice place to be stuck while the world's crazy. It's not just a nice place to be. Generally, yeah. Did the, didn't the bay get like washed away? I saw the other day. It was like Byron Bay's gone. Yeah, yeah we were there. Yeah, it was crazy. Like it started like flooding and then we were living across the road from Belondrel Beach, which is like if you've been to Byron, it's like one of the bigger beaches, I suppose. And we hadn't really checked out the beach. We'd heard that like the main beach was flooding and we're like, okay. And then we went down to the beach and like, it was crazy. It was literally like where we would like sit on the beach was like very much the water. Yeah. Yeah. Izzy, the beach was like gone. Like someone said that to me. Then I looked at the pictures and like the actual bay was just gone because of a tropical storm. It's gone. But it'll come back. Like some beaches won't be restored. Like some of them are gone, (laughs) but they come, they come back. They'll be back. They'll be back. They just need to to take a moment. Um, Okay, let's jump into things. Thanks so much for coming on the pod. Yes, we're so excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. So, Happy New Year. You're our first guest in 2021. First person we've recorded with. Um, You did (laughs) a really great post on the first day of the year all about, like, all the lessons you learned in 2020. Um. What is the biggest thing that you want to carry through to 2021? Oh, big question. Starting off big. Um, <laughs> starting, starting. Um, I don't know. Like, I think New Year's is so weird. I like, I, not that I don't believe in New Year's resolution, each to their own, but I think I'm more like to set intention. And I think this year for me, it's more like taking what I learned in 2021. Cause I feel like in 2021, I grew, I mean, not, 2020 not 20 it's 2021 now 2020 I feel like I learned so much about myself and like looking back I'm like whoa I really grew like a lot and I guess for this year it's kind of taking all of that which is what I mentioned in that post and sort of applying it because I feel like I'm someone that really stands back a lot like I'm quite which is like a lot of us like quite terrified what people think and being embarrassed or like whatever and I think 
um, yeah, I think this year I definitely want to take all that I've learned last year and apply it, which for me is being a lot more gutsy in my approach to things instead of being a fence sitter. And that's more to do with my own life. I feel like I'm very good at vouching for other people um, or vouching for like things. But when it comes to myself, um, I'm insecure as fuck. (laughs) We talk about that all the time. Like I will say things to Grace and Grace is just like, how do you talk about my best friend like that? Like think about how you would, how I would talk about Grace versus how I talk about myself. Yeah. The self dialogue we have to ourselves is like outrageous. Mm. Like it's so obnoxious. Like you would never talk about Like even your most hated enemy, you would never like (laughs) think the things you think about yourself. It's so bad. I know. I know. It's, um, it's a problem, but I think as well as, you know, um, women or some genderqueer people and stuff I feel like it is just a product of the patriarchy and I think that that's what I'm learning this year because I think for so long I just like thought that way or thought it was normal not normal but like normal to think that way or I blamed a lot of it on like certain past traumas which definitely do account as to everyone everyone's got their shit but I think the more that I dive into and like learn about the patriarchy and the systems in which we live in, I'm like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. And it's not like our fault for thinking this way. We're just like a product of the world that we live in. And we're just taught to like be small, stay small, don't. Like I was, um, I was actually thinking about, um, cause I don't really watch a lot of reality TV, but oh, that's a lie. I do sometimes. Um, but I was thinking about reality TV and even, um, the idea of like, if you look at women on reality TV, a lot of the time it's like they're praised, which is like reality TV, I find is like a portal into like the way that we structure the world, like how the world is structured or like all those kind of like hierarchies, whatever. And it's kind of like when a woman is like insecure, it's like, cute we just spoke to abby chatfield about this actually because i don't know if you are across her but she was on the bachelor yeah yeah yeah. she's a legend yeah um but she was saying like she was like realizing as we were talking she was like i'm now realizing as we're talking that like everyone that's ever won the bachelor has won with this storyline of like not realizing they're beautiful and thinking that they're like not gonna be picked and they get picked and it's like they're the confident women are always portrayed as villains and women that have no security in themselves are like always the wifey innocent. yeah innocent yeah. types it's so fun and that's why we can't vouch for ourselves because it's like if we do we're seen as like a villain like you know what i mean when it's actually like when you unpack it you're like that's so fucked up <laughs> you know it's insane yeah um, a part of that kind of links to a post you did recently about uh, kind of encouraging people not to be super hard on themselves about their body in quarantine, which I think was something that everyone was like separately kind of flogging themselves about and no one was really talking about, I guess. Um, so can you maybe just talk a little bit about the essence of that post and then like the response you had to it from your following? Yeah, I actually wrote that post and sat on it for so long because also I do acknowledge that like I have thin privilege so sometimes when I talk about that stuff I just want to like make it really which I do like I put a disclaimer every time but sometimes I sort of stand back on talking about it because I'm like I don't want like you know what I mean like that's kind of problematic in itself if people are like oh but I'm like if you just acknowledge that like I have thin privilege but then also which is what I was saying in that post I think a lot of the time people would look at me for example or other people and be like oh you must not be insecure because you're like not deemed what's this like you know what I mean I have those privileges in my life but I think everyone struggles with that sort of stuff and it's back to what I was saying before um about the society in which we live in and I think when it came to the whole quarantine and everyone flogging themselves I honestly like I wouldn't say I was surprised but I was disappointed um but not shocked because it's like everything in that time in lockdown everything was like heightened and it's like we constantly see this pressure of people having to look a certain way or like be a certain way and to see it come to light where it's like even as like I especially saw it like everyone apologizing for either being like I'm gonna get like super shredded in ISO or apologizing for the fact that they weren't like being like oh like I've just like 
put on weight and like like everyone's just like apologizing for being like just getting through this time which is like a, so hectic and completely survival and it's just like I I I just felt like that post was one of those things that was literally like sitting at my kitchen bench and I just like started writing and it kind of just like came out of me because I think I was just fed up with my own brain as well and I feel like where I'm at in my own journey is I constantly dip in and out like I've come from quite a background of like regiment and like disordered eating and I go like in and out like one day I'm like oh no like and I really but like I'm at the point where like I believe it like where I'm like oh no 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 like I don't resonate with that side of me anymore and I you know don't view the world that way and then like literally on a flip I feel so insecure and feel like I'm losing control and blah 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 blah. and I feel like a lot of people feel this like that way and I think it's acknowledging that the journey to body positivity or whatever is a journey and you're still going to be triggered like a million times along the way. And it's not about um, getting rid of that and being like, I'm free of this sort of inner dialogue or um, the world in which we live in because it is the world in which we live in. So I think for me, it was acknowledging that this exists and it's a journey and also was kind of just like a fuck you to this culture during this last year I should say of having to like yeah either apologize for putting on weight or um going crazy with your like at home workouts and letting everyone know that you're getting shredded in ISO like it just infuriated me because I was like this is one of the most difficult things that we have gone through as a collective and you're making it about that like that's just so fucked up like if you can't get out of bed that's okay. Like we're all in survival mode. The world as we know it right now is unpredictable. Everyone's like running off adrenaline and anxiety and it's okay to like do nothing. Like, yeah. So that post was kind of just like the, everything that I felt and everything that was pent up just kind of like blurted, but I did sit on it for a while because I don't know, I think as well, like it is daunting talking about that stuff. Um, because I feel like not a lot of people do. And also, like I said before, like I obviously know that I have thin privilege and I never want to um, taint a message. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you said in that post as well that um, so many people contact you saying that they suffer from body dysmorphia, which I think um, all of us do to an extent. Yeah. And in that same post, as you just said, some days you feel okay and then other days you feel the complete opposite. And in that post you were saying that you were in this whole looking at um looking at yourself in the mirror all day like looking at old photos of yourself looking at other women and comparing yourself um and i think that right now it's really especially easy to be so tough on ourselves and you wake up and you feel gross and you think these similar negative thoughts um how do you kind of snap yourself out of that way of thinking i think the biggest thing for me has been and it sounds so simple but honestly decluttering like my social media feed and reading um different information and um listening to like feminist authors and speakers has it's been like this like ripple effect that I haven't even realized has changed the way that I think so much like I even look at my brain like a year ago and I'm like, whoa. And honestly, it has been just from these little, little um, minor changes, like consciously not commenting on people's bodies. Because, you know, it's like that thing of like, you might go and see a friend or you might be in the gym or whatever. And it's like a part of our culture to be like, you look good or like, or bitch about someone that's put on weight or whatever. Like I just made a rule that like, I was like, I'm not going to comment on people's bodies. Like as soon as I get that feeling to do it, even when it's coming from like a complimentary um point of view which is like why someone losing weight is like not a compliment um I stopped doing that I yeah changed my feed completely listened to certain podcasts and I think that was like one of now looking back like one of the biggest things that changed my world because you are a product of what you're consuming so if you're seeing um like depends which end but like if you're seeing constant images of people that um 
give not given because like everyone's on their own journey but are a product of the patriarchy and i don't blame anyone for that because it's survival it's the world we live in you have to do things to survive um but if you're constantly seeing that and you know they're promoting certain messages like even it was so nice around christmas time I reckon my social media feed a year ago, maybe two years ago, would have been a lot of people then at the gym the next day being like working off like my Christmas, whatever. And this year on my social media feed, I only saw one of someone that I followed, which just like, do you know what I mean? So it's like, I didn't get fed that information. But if everyone on my social media feed was feeding me that information, it's going to go in, whether it's conscious or subconscious, and I'm going to either feel guilty or I'm going to give in to it and think I need to like wreck myself the next day because I should feel so bad for all this food that I've had. But instead, I didn't feel guilty at all because my social media feed was filled with people being like, who gives a shit? Um, So I think, yeah, that's my biggest tip when it comes to changing your mindset. And I think as well, understanding where this comes from, which is what I said before, like when you understand the male gaze and you understand the patriarchy and you understand where all these ideas have come from, it makes it so much easier to um, unpack in your own brain because you actually have the knowledge. Like I feel like change can't happen until you actually understand or you have education around um, where the issue lies which when it comes to this sort of culture is everything I just said. So I think like I was saying before, like reading and researching on um, these social constructs and where women have come from or queer and non-binary people have come from helped me understand the thought. So when I got the thought, I knew where it came from. I knew where it was coming from, which makes it easier to unpack when before I didn't understand it. So I was like, it must be the truth. Um, yeah yeah i think it's interesting as well because i think the wellness industry gets like quite a bad rap these days because it seems to be connected with this like aspirational body fitness culture a lot of people see it as kind of like a reframing of like 90s diet culture and yet for you wellness was like a really a central part of like your own mental health, yeah. uh, your own relationship with your mental health in terms of being in high school and deciding not to drink and kind of being healthy and good to your body. So can you kind of talk about the positive sides of wellness and the way you kind of define that, that idea of wellness? I think I have quite an interesting relationship with either the wellness industry or the world wellness for what you just said. Like I think wellness as a concept, is and it's not this is this is also not me like I said like uh, not like I said but I don't want to slam that industry um because also for me like you just said it had a purpose and it has a purpose and I got into wellness um coming out of an eating disorder and it helped me so much understand food and understand this different concept um of treating my body so I think yeah I think it's so hard because wellness is a word and the industry is so multi, like there's so many people, there's so many faces, there's so many like people that do different things. Like there's all these like subcategories within that industry. And I think it's both problematic and both really beneficial. Um, So my relationship with wellness now is a lot different to what it was two years ago. I actually remember, so like I got a following on Instagram from kind of, I suppose, modeling work mixed with like, I was, doing this like web series thing with friends and then when I ended up with this following for like a year I was like oh I need to like do something with it I was like I need to do something I need to you know um show these people in a more positive way a bit more than me rather than just like pretty photos of myself and I was like on that whole wellness journey at the time or or, um, I was really into cooking or whatever so I kind of ended up in this um, sphere of wellness accidentally just through like sharing my recipes which I still do um, online and having a blog or whatever and talking about not drinking and stuff and I remember like this like I started getting invited to different kind of events because obviously I was like talking about certain things on the internet and I was like sitting at this like one event And we were talking about like, I don't fucking know, like chia seeds and how they're like good in your water, which is great. They are really good in your water. But I just had this moment where I was like, like, I really don't care that much about this. Like there's so many more important things happening in the world that mean more to me than 
chia seeds and I know they're not mutually exclusive and you can have both but I kind of find like that industry like there is I understand why people have and not an issue but people will say things like that about it because sometimes I do think it feeds this like being obsessed with health thing and I think wellness as a term which is how I've redefined it is the whole scale so it's like yes what you're putting in your mouth but that one day can mean your kale salad with your hemp seeds on top and another day it can mean a burger because that that is the whole picture of wellness and it's about feeding your soul and your happiness and finding joy in your life as well as feeding it and when you come from that place mentally of wanting to actually feel good in all of like in all of like the aspects of what feeling good means you make conscious decisions so like some days i'm like i want to feel good so therefore i'm gonna like eat something a bit more whole foods and then another day i'm like no no no. what's gonna make me feel good and give me joy today is like having a pizza you know what i mean and i feel like there's a a a bit of that missing from the industry at least in australia um i found because I was obviously very immersed in that and I kind of pulled back because I found it to, um, I found it helped me heal so much and then it reached its cap and it was like, what's the next step? Um, and for me, that was kind of like moving on from that sphere. So yeah, like I don't want to, I think that industry is so amazing. And like I said, I can't like it helped me on my healing journey so much, but I do think it's important that, we think about the whole picture and we also don't get obsessed with things, you know? And I think we see this a lot on social media is like people, not people get it. Cause like, I, I can't talk. I have an obsessive personality, but it, it always seems like this all or nothing in all um, aspects of wherever you're sitting on, whatever you're talking about, whatever you're vouching for. But I think especially when it comes to um, health sometimes, or it can be very like one dimensional, but yeah. So I think I've definitely redefined wellness for myself. And I think I've like, you could probably see that on my page. Um, when I'm talking about wellness, it's a bit more um, multi-layered or multi-dimensional than it was maybe two years ago. And in terms of um, not drinking, sorry, if you can hear my stupid kitten purring, I can't, I'm like, I'm You're like, if, so I, if I kick her out of the room, she'll go like even more nice. <laughs> so I just don't know what, the, what to do. Um, no, keep her around. <laughs> but um, in terms of not drinking, you, I'm not sure if that it's still the case, but you said you hadn't had a drink in five years, which I find um, crazy because I just don't know like how I would handle going out and socializing without um, going out and socializing without alcohol um, <laughs> and like the thought of people calling me boring at parties or just even dealing with drunk people at all. Um, what are kind of some of the responses you've learned to tell people when they ask about it or how have you dealt with being out and about sober? I think now it's different. Like now I'm so used to it and I'm so sure of myself in that space that like, I couldn't give a fuck. Like if someone's like, like, I'm just like, I don't drink. And they're like, Oh really? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I just don't really like it. And then if someone wants to egg me on or call me boring, like it literally doesn't affect me. Like I'm like, okay. (laughs) don't care but it's been a journey to um get there and I think everyone's at this stage I actually did a big blog post on this because I get a lot of questions because you know people that are either younger and they're like I find it too hard to say no or whatever and I think how I deal with those responses is like depending on the scenario I always find when you give someone a definite answer that they can't, because I think, I think bottom line is like, and this isn't for all people, everyone's different, but what I found from my experience, especially young, younger, cause I stopped drinking when I was like 17, which doesn't make sense, but I started drinking at a very young age. I found, especially back that, back when I was younger, the whole premise of why people want you to drink is because they feel guilty or they want a drinking buddy or they don't want someone sober around um, because it's you're, you're ruining, you're messing with the system, and like we're all meant to be drunk, and like how dare you embarrass me by not drinking? That seems to be like the 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 mood from what it's I've like found. Literally, yeah, 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 and it's all it almost feels like offensive to them. Like how dare you be here and not drink with us? Um, and I think it took me a while to under because at the beginning I did avoid going out because I didn't know how to deal with that especially from men especially when you're young and you still um don't have the confidence just to be like go away um 
you, you can feel quite insecure. So I kind of did avoid going out, but then I actually spoke to my dad. So my dad doesn't drink either. And I was telling him cause he had, he has this thing when it comes to not drinking where he's like, that's great. Good on you. But just be careful that you don't become non-social. Cause he's like, that's what I did. And I regret it. So I was like, well, what do I do? And then he was like, when you get older, you'll just become more sure of yourself and you just won't care. But he's like, what he does, not anymore, but when he was younger, he's like, literally order a soda water. No one fucking knows whether it's got vodka in it or not. And literally their energy will change. And that's what I started to do at first. Like I just would order a soda water and people would just be like, oh, like she's drinking vodka soda. Um, And like, that was it. No one said boo. But I think, yeah, as you get older, I honestly, I realize it's, it's their issue and not mine. And if like they feel so insecure that they're projecting onto me, like that is their stuff and I'm fine. Like I'm happy not drinking. I don't feel boring. I'm having a great time. I love music. Like a lot of the time when I'm on a dance floor, people think I'm like off, like people think I'm on drugs. They're like, oh my God, you're like fucked. I'm like, so sober. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So yeah, I think it's just a journey and there's like different tips. It's like either just like give a definite answer and people will leave you alone. Or if you're younger and you don't know how to maneuver your way around it and you're still struggling with like insecurity of like friend groups or whatever, try the vodka soda trick. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's your life. Like my thing is like, it's my life. I don't want to put that in my body. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes my anxiety awful. Like you don't know me. You don't know why I'm not drinking. I could be actually now that I'm older, it's so weird. It's so weird. So when I was younger, everyone be like, Oh, you don't drink. Now that I'm a bit older, people just, people actually leave you alone because they assume that you're like, in AA or something. Like which, sober. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wish I was. AA is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so people do leave you alone. So like, okay. <laughs> oh, she's um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. Like my thing with it now is like, you literally don't know me. Um, this is my life. This is what makes me feel good. And if you want to project, like that is your own shit and you need to sort that out on your own. We're going to take a very quick break here to hear from the winner of this week's very ultra moment. Don't forget to send yours in to hello at afterworkdrinks.net for your chance to win a prize pack from Ultraviolet. Hey, Afterwork Drinks. Just firstly wanted to say that I love your podcast and all your recent interviews. And I also wanted to submit something very ultra I did recently, which I didn't even realize was ultra until a friend told me I needed to send it to you guys. But basically, after seeing Abby Chatfield getting horrible backlash again for just being such a feminist queen on I'm a Celebrity, I set up a fake Twitter literally just to reply to all the gross trolls in her defence. I do feel very much like a boomer mum right now, saving the world from sexist men who probably don't even read my responses, but I'm also feeling very accomplished. And I also spent an obscene amount of time picking a cute display pic for my zero followers. I think it's like a confidence thing as well. Like I, when I was younger, would drink literally just to feel like you were, A, I used to think it made my personality better. I was like, oh, I'm just funnier when I drink. I'm just a better, mm. I'm better to be around when I drink. Like I'm, I, I used to think that I had to have, I would like down my first couple of wines when I got to a place because I was like, oh, you'll just be a better person to be around. Um, so it's a, conf- it's kind of a confidence thing that comes with like backing yourself, I think as well. And being able to be Absolutely. like, no, I can be in this space and it doesn't matter if I have alcohol in me or not. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so interesting. I definitely did find that, um, yeah, especially when I was younger. And I have quite an addictive personality and struggle with mental health issues. And, yeah, I saw myself, I was like, this could end really badly if I don't cut it out um, because of that. Because of, yeah, that reason, I think that's why a lot of young people drink. And it's also just a culture. You know what I mean? It's like just our culture. Like alcohol is everywhere. It's advertised everywhere. It's more abnormal not to drink. Um, Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned anxiety as well, because I feel like um, anxiety was a thing that caused me to drink a lot when I was a teenager, like social anxiety. And also it was like so, so bad for my anxiety. It was crazy. It took me so long. Izzy's the same where like we've both been like diagnosed with anxiety disorders um so can you maybe just talk a little bit about your experience with anxiety and maybe some of the like tactics you've learned to manage it because it is always managing it (laughs) yeah I think 
anxiety is such an interesting one for me because it's been such a long journey. So like long story short, when I was younger, like very young, um, I had really irrational like phobias when I was younger. And it's so interesting growing up and people having all these words. Cause like when you're younger and you, for example, I couldn't leave the house at one point. Um, and I was like, I want to get everything under the sun. But when you're younger, you don't know what's wrong with you. So I literally was like, there's something wrong with my brain because no one's like, now I can be like, oh, I'm, I'm anxious. Um, <laughs> but when I was younger, I was like, I remember hearing, um, what's her name? Carrie Bickmore saying on like Rove when I was like 14, she was like, I have this weird thing where I like, sometimes when I'd come home from school, I'd need to walk back to school and do the walk again. And I don't know why I would make myself do that. And I was like, oh my God, this is the first time I've heard someone like explain what it is to have your brain just tell you you need to do weird yeah. shit or can't do yeah. weird shit for no, no logical, no logical reason. reason. Like for me, like even as a kid, yeah. like I yeah. wanted to go to school and I wanted to like be normal, but I just couldn't. Like I'm, I, my brain was just like would carpet on itself. So I, yeah. So it's been like a very long journey and I feel like I spent my whole, not my whole life, but like I spent a lot of my life masking my anxieties through addiction. So whether it was alcohol, um, whether it was socializing a lot, whether it was smoking, um, having an eating disorder and that came in its many, many forms from anorexia to like binge eating. Um, and then getting to a place where I'm like, okay, I don't want to live my whole life like this. And I don't think this is going to not necessarily go away. I need to learn how to properly managing, manage it instead of band-aid it and constantly put things over it. Because the reason why addictions happen is because you want to tunnel vision on something else. So you don't actually have to deal with your own trauma. So one of the biggest things was finding actually a psych that I really liked. I grew up going to psychologists like being made, made to go and they never resonated with me. So then when I got older, I had this whole thing of like, I hate psychologists. They don't know anything. Yeah, I was the same. Yeah, I like couldn't. And like, it does take a while to find someone you actually resonate with. I, I yeah, but I found someone, she's actually um, a psychotherapist, which is not a psychologist. They just use different techniques when it comes to trauma. And has honestly been a saving grace. It is goddamn expensive and we need to change the system ASAP. But she, I'm so happy that I have the privilege and the resources to go to her because she has helped me so much, I think as well, unpack why I, I, my brain is a certain way and unpack certain, certain traumas that help me understand my anxiety. Because like I said before, when we're talking about um, the patriarchy or thinking about your body, it's like, when I personally find, when I understand why I think a certain way, it helps me to um, dismantle the thought when it happens because I, I get it. When I don't get it, I just go, it must be true. Um, so with her, I worked on like why I was an anxious kid and what's happening in the brain and about like, because I have PTSD. So diving more into like therapies to help with um, my triggers and stuff like that. So therapy has been huge for me. I also um, have been on and off medication. I had, as a lot of people do, like stigma around um, being medicated, but it got to like quite a rock bottom, like almost three years ago now, which is wild. I suffered really bad disassociation. So I was like disconnected from the world and like my body. And it got like really severe to the point where I was like hospitalized and I mean, had no other option in my brain anyway than to try anything that someone would give me to make me be able to like function again. So I went on medication and I've been on and off medication since then. And honestly, I, I think the, not the problem, but I think where the stigma maybe comes from being medicated is that people use it as a mask and, and chemical imbalances in the brain exist. They do. Um, but they're usually, uh, a, uh, what would the word be? They're usually a product of, of something else that's happened that you're not sort of dealing with. So I find medication to be the perfect way to keep you from tipping over that edge. And to, for me anyway, like I can go into like deep depression or anxiety holes where I can't leave the house. So for me, medication has helped me be able to stay above ground in order to continue to go to therapy and continue to, to do all the things in my life that help with my mental illness so 
Um, I am an advocate for medication as long as it's used correctly. It has an end date. It's a harness to help you do the work. If you're not doing the work, then it is just a Band-Aid and um, not going to be beneficial in the long run. And then as well, like obviously lifestyle things. I've been a little bit not great lately with the things that I know that help me in my lifestyle and I feel um, the effects, but journaling helps me so much. Um, doing yoga. I've tried the whole meditation thing. I struggle with it. I feel like everyone on podcasts, especially is like, I meditate and it saved my life. I'm like, I'm not there yet. I really struggle with meditation. Um, I like to journal instead because I'm really hyperactive. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, eating well in moderation, drinking my water. I now I'm so blessed. I moved um, to the ocean because I just like the ocean helps me so much. I think this water is such a therapeutic thing. Like even if I'm having a panic attack, sometimes I'll literally sit at the bottom of the shower and just like run the shower. Cause I think water is just so, well, it is therapeutic. If you Google water, it's so therapeutic. So I don't have a bath. So sometimes I just sit at the bottom of the shower <laughs> and it helps. But yeah, I think they're kind of my main not necessarily tips, but things that I personally do and everyone's different to help with my um, anxieties and triggers and stuff like that. And I think as well, it, it's just, it's a process. I think we have this thing of like, it's just going to go away and it, it can, but it also can flare up because life is hectic. You know what I mean? Like we even saw this year, like life can just change on a dime and it's having those tools in a bag to be able to keep yourself from falling under. And I, I, I don't think um, it's necessarily about being cured. It's about finding things that work for you, which is the annoying process because everyone's different to be able to stay above ground and also acknowledge like even sometimes I think as well, suffering from disassociation, it actually, it's awful, but it's kind of a blessing because when I come out of it, if I've, if I've ended up in like a deep situation with it, um, it's so interesting because like for like those months after when I feel really anxious or really like sad, like if I'm crying about something, I kind of feel so like not excited. That's the wrong word. But because like I'm used to feeling like numb, I'm like, oh my God, like I feel so alive because I can like, I'm actually feeling something. But yeah, I don't know. I think everyone's different and I think it's just acknowledging it's a journey. And I think the reason why I like to talk about my mental health so candidly um, is because firstly, I never used to, cause I was like, Oh, I don't want to be like a sob story. And I don't want people to, you know, everyone has worse off and yada, yada, yada. And like, you know, it's also private, you know, like, I don't want to talk about PTSD cause that's a private thing. But I think the more I re like, hear other people talk about it, I'm like, fuck it. Like it's chill. It's like, if I had some sort of physical, um, issue with me, like I broke my leg a few times from playing a sport, I would candidly talk about it. So why can't I talk about the fact that like, I've had trauma, therefore my brain does weird things. I think the more people talk about it, the more it makes you not feel crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, even when you saw someone on TV talking about OCD, you're like, oh, like I'm not crazy. Because I remember the first time it wasn't, it literally wasn't until I was in year seven and there was this other girl in my year. And I don't even know how we ended up in this conversation. But she was similar to me in terms of like, sometimes she would leave school and like, I was like, hmm. And we ended up having this conversation and it was the first time I would talk to someone and our experiences like lined up. I was like, wait, you feel that? Like you get like that? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, what? Like my world just went like, oh my God, like other people experience this. Um, so yeah, I guess talking about it, um, I think is so powerful. And also on anyone listening who suffers, um, panic attacks and I think a lot of the time panic attacks especially nowadays with the whole COVID thing can manifest into like health anxiety and like hypochondria thinking that you're like dying of a heart disease or something I have found this is like a quick tip it helps me so much I have this book it's a little notepad and every time I'm having a panic attack and I think no no this time I'm dying this time I'm 100% going I write down all of my symptoms and so there's like literally like 50 pages in there of the same symptoms. So then when I'm freaking out, I go back and read it. I'm like, probably not because I didn't die all these times. <laughs> the last 50 times I was fine. Yeah, that's a good little quick tip. That really helps. Yeah, that's a great tip. All of your tips are really great. So we just want to pivot quickly because you are really involved in helping to make sex education queer inclusive in Australia, which is a hugely important issue. Um, and we wanted to talk, we wanted to, uh, to see if you could talk us through 
kind of why it's something you're particularly passionate about? I think in plain terms, it would have helped me so much not think something was wrong with me. I, for so long, like I literally, I went to so many sex therapists and stuff because I was like, there's something wrong. Like I, I just feel uncomfortable during sex. I don't feel connected. Like I dated um, a guy for almost two years and like, he felt like we were good friends. That's why I was like, this is like great. And I kept thinking it was like my problem. Even in high school, I was like, this is my issue. And also I like, you know, to be fair, like I did have, I was like, I did have a pretty bad sexual experience in high school that I only once I got older realized, oh, that was really bad. Um, Cause so many like fucked up things are normalized in high school. I think for, it just would help me be able to come to terms with who I was so much quicker if I just learned about it in school and it wasn't, either not talked about because it wasn't I went to a Catholic or girls school so it really wasn't talking spoken about plain and simple if I had the tools um or just the education the representation I personally would have found my early adulthood so much easier instead of having to like jump through all these hoops of blaming myself until dating um a woman and um non-binary person who's my partner now and being like oh everything i thought was wrong with me is actually not i was just barking up the wrong tree (laughs) um and then i think as well like it, it also stems from i think school is such a foundation for the world i mean it is it's where you learn about things as well as besides the academic side of things um, you learn about how to socialize and you learn about hierarchies and you learn about who you want to be. Um, and then you take that into the world. So when a school is conservative, you create conservative people and it's not their fault. It's just what they've been taught. So I think if they change the education system to be more inclusive of the queer community, and that's not just talking about gay or bisexuals, we're talking about trans, genderqueer, um, uh intersex like the whole spectrum of queerness it creates normalization of those things so then when you're in the world you don't think it's odd or you're not walking down the street and you see a queer couple and you're like oh i don't know how to uh, like i don't care like it's all good like you know what i mean like you see people give you these eyeballs like (laughs) you're like what and it's literally because most people if not all have grown up grown up in these institutions that don't talk about these things so when they see them they're like oh that's like not normal but it's not that it's not normal it's just the the world or the structures in which we live in have made it abnormal um and i think the school education system is is one of the the basis of that because it's where we do all our learning and all our growing so if that's not being spoken about um it's not going to be it's not going to translate into society because that's like our first little portal of what society is and i also think um as well as that it like suicide rates for trans and queer kids are so high and that as well comes from not being represented or you know not understanding yourself or like i said like if you're not speaking about these things then they're abnormal so that if you do express yourself or you have no choice but to express yourself because it's not an expression because it's not it's not a choice like you're not expressing yourself because you choose to you're expressing yourself because that is who you are so either you express yourself and you get met with violence or bullying or you don't express yourself and then you're oppressed inside, which is going to create lots of turmoil. Like I think it's a mental um, health and yeah, I think it's a, it's a mental health. uh, What's it not like a mental health crisis. That's the wrong word, but it's, it's, it goes beyond just like, Oh, like we want to be represented. It's like a life or death situation. in a lot of time, especially for trans individuals. So I think that's why I'm so passionately about it because in my small little world, which is also like, I understand that I'm so privileged, um, even within my family circles, you know, like I'm, it's all good. So for me to feel that about this so strongly or know how important it is or know how helpful it would have been for me, I can't even imagine other people within the community, um, how much um, sex education, inclusion or inclusion and representation everywhere. But like I said, school is, um, where we do a lot of our learning and growing, I think it would just change so many lives. And I think it would actually create a more inclusive society if, if we did, because it's no longer other, we're not other. 
And the thing that's strange is when we were researching this is that like back in 2009, which is when you would have still been in high school, like there were studies that showed up to to 97% of Australian parents supported queer inclusive sex education. So it's like, that's incredibly frustrating. But I also just wonder if you're aware of the actual like, logistical issues that are stopping this from happening like is it uh, something that needs to be done on like a government level or is it a school by school basis like do you know what the next steps look like i think there are people like there are people behind the scenes on like a legislative level trying to get these laws passed and um we're seeing it in in difference not in new south wales um because we're very conservative here but i think it comes down to conservative we also live in quite uh like our our roots in most places but here because we were colonized by the english is um christianity i mean our our uh, prime minister is a devout christian which is a very conservative religion when it comes to our community so i think that is honestly the the core of the issue is that um a lot of people that work in government are white, straight men, and a lot of them are religious. I think also um, I like I'm not really. I think it's for public education. That's probably where we will see it change first, and I think that's when it comes to um, people fighting for these changes on a legislative level. Um, it is it is for public education because that's kind of like government run. But I think when it comes to Catholic schools, which I obviously went to a Catholic school, um, I think we're a long time off, unfortunately, because I mean that would go against their ethos. I remember even when I was in year 11 or year 12, it was around the yes vote. And when people obviously like campaigning for either side and we got given these, uh, well, we didn't get given them, but these like uh, pamphlets uh, essentially talking about how you should vote no were given to the school and they were kind of obliged to hand them out because we're a Catholic school and all of us seniors like got together and we went to the principal and we were like, if you hand these out, we will fuck shit up. Like we will destroy we'll burn this place to the fucking Like the, the school captain, the school <laughs> fucking captain was literally like, I will burn a bin. That's like, unbelievable. But they didn't because they were like, whoa. But I was like, yeah. are you even considering this? We also have fucking gay teachers. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's also like you you grew up in like Glebe, right? Like it's like we're talking about like in a yeah. West I went to Sydney, school. I went to school like, in Potts Point. Like I went to school in yeah. the Cross. Like the most cosmopolitan, like five minutes from Oxford Street, and you're still having to deal with that shit. Like imagine being in like rural Western Australia or something, right? I know. But we pulled through. We pulled through. Yeah, that was like such a horrible time with all the ads on TV and stuff. I was like, what is happening in this? country it's crazy fucking country so we also were laughing at the fact that people um have said that you're too hot to talk about issues that you're passionate about which is something that we have sadly never been accused of um can you kind of talk about when you're an influencer slash model and how people expect you to be silent and how just incredibly frustrating that is yeah i mean to be honest those comments like 99 percent of the time come from men and i'm like i don't want you on here anyway so great fuck off um <laughs> yeah. yeah go away uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i mean it doesn't like bother me because i'm like that's the that's so silly like what are you even saying but you know i think it's important to that i mean i think it's this weird thing that i've struggled with as well because obviously like as a lot of us are, I am insecure as fuck and I don't see myself as, you know, anything special and like whatever, whatever, all that crap that we were talking about before, which stems from just being an insecure person in this patriarchal world. So I think it's been like this weird thing to acknowledge like um, my privilege, like even obviously on that post I was saying, like having to disclaim that I have thin privilege, which is like, I'm like, oh, I feel really weird saying that because I, you know, am insecure, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think it's important to like, you know, with, like I do have a level of privilege that um, I must acknowledge and I understand that. And that's why I'm really like for 
like obviously on my page and on my stories and everything, I'm constantly promoting other pages and stuff like that because I'm like, guys, like I ain't diverse, like fucking follow all, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like not an idiot to the fact that like I fall into a category um, of human, which is, um, like I'm privileged. I'm fucking white. I have thin privilege. I have pretty privilege. Like I know that, which is probably what pushes me more to talk about certain things. Um, it's actually why I started uh, conversations with Kath because I was like, how do I not hijack conversations as white people do all the fucking time? Um, but still, talk bring to light things that I can with the platform and the voice that I have because of all this privilege that I have been given and um I was talking to my partner about it and we kind of like thought of this concept which is actually a known concept I realized after called like pass the mic which is like kind of being like everyone look at me because I have all this privilege okay cool now that I have your attention like listen to this person um which is why I started conversations with Kat but yeah, so I, I guess, like, for me, I, I think it's really important to acknowledge my privilege on all the levels, but I don't think that by any means is for me to be quiet. I think it's the opposite. It's made me be, like, I need to talk louder because, like, I won't get labelled as, like, an angry black woman or I won't get labelled as all these things that other minority groups do um, from speaking out. So I think it's even more important for me to use my platform in order um, to yell and scream about issues that are really important because I, ha I, I know that I am laced with privilege to be able to do so, which is fucked up, but it's important for me to use that privilege for good. And I think a lot of the time people shy away from their privilege because they feel kind of guilty for it. Like, oh my God, like I feel so guilty um, that either they go conservative, they go into the opposing um, or they kind of hide and just go like, I'm not, I don't want to get it wrong. So I don't want to talk about it, but I've got to this point where I'm like, I'm going to get it wrong. Like as a fucking white person, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to say something bad, but that can't, that should not stop me from continuing to learn and continuing to grow and educate myself and use my privilege, um, for good. I don't really like the word good because it's like a white savior complex, but, um, for better, um, I suppose. Um, so yeah, but when people say that, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like literally when people say that, I'm like, you make me want to talk more. Like you literally make me want to like scream louder. So send them over to us. They'll make yeah. feel better. Kudos to you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For, thank you for the compliment. I'm going to keep talking like, my shit. Up, <laughs> um, so the last question we wanted to ask you, we're in the UK and kind of, um, going back into quite a hectic lockdown, which is obviously quite difficult on people in relationships and you did a great post with like your thoughts about love and kind of tidbits about being in a relationship and making a relationship work so could you just talk about some of the things you've learned about like conflict resolution and like compromising and all those things you kind of touched on in that essay you wrote tips for our english listeners which essay was oh was this the article i did oh sorry it was like a blog post you did yeah i can't even remember i've written i i need to go through my blog i feel like people recently have been going onto my blog and like reposting things i'm like when the fuck did i write that i need to like double check everything i've written <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about love uh, <laughs> i was probably dating a man then so <laughs> um <laughs> um but love let's talk about it um relationship yeah, let's just talk about love. We'll rephrase the question. I've learned a lot about relationships. I think the biggest thing I would say is accountability. Um, I am someone that is a big believer in taking accountability whenever there is conflict, even when you feel as though, not that there's no right or wrong, but whenever you feel as though maybe like the situation could easily, easily um, be black and white in terms of um, like you being in the right or the wrong, if we're just going to use those words, even though I think they're problematic. But I always like to take accountability for any part that I might have played in the conflict. And I think, you know, back to what a lot of people say, but it is the truth. Communication is fucking key. Like 
me and Zoe have check-ins like every month where we sit down and we just like talk about anything in like a calm, loving, chill environment, anything that might've been boiling up, anything that maybe we're bothered about, maybe anything that we feel as though we might need more of the relationship um, or less of the, from the relationship. Um, and that dialogue just helps so much. Cause I think a lot of conflict is built from like just build up, you know, like someone would do something that's like kind of annoying, but you're like, it's not big enough to talk about. And then those little things just add up until like they'll do something that is minor, but you explode and they're like, what the fuck? You're crazy. And you're not crazy. You're just like, this is not about this. This is about all the fucking things you did before, but we're going to make it about this. And then no one listens because everyone's like, you're crazy. And then the other person's like, I'm so fucking angry. Um, yeah. So I honestly think communication is, is, Okay, and I think I've learned more about communication. I know, so annoying for all the people right now dating men or trying to date men, is I have found that not dating a man has made communication just like, wow, so much easier. But I think it's also taught me that like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm definitely more on the... I don't know it's a journey on the gay side of things rather than the bi side of things but if I was to ever in a weird universe date a man again um which I don't think I will but you, you never know you never know I'm saying it now you never know I think I would be better at communicating um through my experiences but yeah and I think it's I think I think as well it's um which is hard it's like I'm really lucky that I'm in a relationship where we're both wanting to communicate openly and honestly like we're very open and honest with each other and we're both very um willing to do the work on ourselves. and it's really hard like in my last relationship it was really hard because i would come to the table trying to be open and trying to communicate and it just wasn't reciprocated it was like it went one ear and out the other he didn't want to do the work on himself and he was um in a cycle of um, self-destruction that he clearly wasn't ready to get out of. So then it comes down to boundaries. And sometimes it's fucking hard, but you need to set boundaries to either be like, okay, cool, you can do that, but I'm not gonna put up with it or leaving the relationship, which is sometimes so difficult. But if someone's not willing to change or come to the table or um, open communication or accountability or self-development, then you're kind of screwed until they do because a relationship takes two to tangle and you both need to be willing to put in the work. And I think I'm learning as well that relationships are work. I think a lot of the time because we're sold this idea in society of like happiness and joy and like everything's got to be great, especially when it comes to love. Everything you see about love is so romanticized. Um, that's only a small percentage of being in a relationship. Relationship is commitment and it's fucking work and it looks different for everyone. Like there's so many ways to do a relationship. You've got to find what works for you and you've got to stick at it until you don't want to anymore for whatever reason. And it takes work. Like you're going to fight. There's going to be conflicts. You're going to disagree. You're going to get so annoyed with the other person. But if you can communicate why and you can communicate at the time, if it's possible, you should be okay we're sold a false idea of relationships, unfortunately. And I think it's the reason why a lot of relationships break down. Yeah, I agree. Brilliant words of wisdom there from a question we sprung on you from nowhere. I know, guru. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, okay, how do you make a relationship work? How do you make a relationship We just throw like everything at you. How do we fix the education yeah. system? I love to talk, so it's all good. <laughs> we love to listen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking Thanks to you. We um we think you're so fab. Oh, thanks. Yeah, when I got your email, I was like, what? I've made it when. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Mutual fan girls. I was like, is he she's unheard of our podcast? <laughs> I have. I have. Okay, well enjoy your like unpacking from Byron. I actually quite like unpacking a house. No, I, I love that shit. So do I, but I love it, but Zoe is like yeah. the worst unpacker. Like Zoe will leave a suitcase for like years and not even notice it. So I think it's more trying to like be encouraging and being like, come on, <laughs> come on darling, <laughs> communication. I like don't want to do it for them. Wouldn't it be great if that suitcase was empty? Yeah, literally. literally. Or like, I just like trip over it really dramatically. <laughs> 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 I broke my fucking yeah. Okay, well, um, if... <laughs> 
COVID ever leaves London, which doesn't look likely, um, please hit us up next time you're over here. We would love to get a proper drink. Take you out for a soda water. Yeah, yes, sorry, soda water. Can't believe you came on after work drinks, fraud. London is like my... I wanted to actually move there last year, but then COVID happened because I have a passport because my family is from um, Dublin and from London. So... I will be there as soon as this shit is over, which doesn't look like it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> See you in like 20, some point. 30. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my God. We have a vaccine, so you never know. It's yeah. coming, yeah. 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 It's coming. It's coming. Okay, thank you so much, Kath. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, right. Kath. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.